0: when you're involved in the moment it's very painful when you're going through struggles and we all go through them and we think there's really no way out of this and you know fortunately i you know i had some mentors i had some people in my life that i could look up to and get some guidance from and know that, yeah, I mean, everything really ultimately happens for the good, and I truly believe that it did at all times. Doesn't mean that you know the pain is not pain, and doesn't mean that you know the struggle is not real struggle, um, and the emotions are real. But if you realize, and it's difficult in the moment, it's much easier to see in retrospect. But in the moment, if you can realize that, just like a seed when it goes into the ground, it needs to first disintegrate and become almost nothing, like completely. Uh, There's actually a Greek word for it. It's called hiuli. It's it's something that's just, it's almost, it's become nothing. Uh, And that is the state where you can create anything. And you can sprout into, you know, a huge tree and, and bear fruit. Break free from modern day slavery. Live the freedom trinity of financial freedom.
1: Time freedom and location freedom. Live in true fulfillment with a foundation of growth and balance in health. Relationships, spirituality, and having fun doing what you love most. Let us show you the way. Welcome to Freedom Hack Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Freedom Hack Radio. I'm your host, Bryce Robertson. And today, my friends, we have a really hot topic. We're going to talk about something that is going to end this year. Something that's going to end this year that a lot of you are going to want to take advantage of. And we're also going to talk about how you can make money by saving money. And here to join us to talk about that is Mr. Yona Weiss. Yona, it's a pleasure to have you here today, brother.
0: Pleasure is mine. Have my mic on mute for there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Letting you get your intro out. Amazing to be here. Thanks so much, Bryce, for having me on the show.
1: Beautiful. So, one place I always love to start, Yona, is what is giving you the most gratitude today, brother?
0: You know, health is the most gratitude right now. Uh, health and, and uh, you know, contentment. Family, it's it's amazing. My wife's actually out of town right now visiting uh, her sister for a family celebration, and uh, I'm just you know, hanging out with the kids. Obviously, getting away a little bit for a podcast or two when I can, but spend a lot more time with the kids. So I'm extremely grateful for the extra time I'm able to set aside my schedule and have the freedom to do that um, to just you know take off and spend more time with them.
1: How does that actually affect your health, hanging out with your kids and like having that kind of time together?
0: Oh, well, I mean, the mental health, it's, it, it's incredible. The physical health, they keep me on my toes. I mean, I love one of the things I love to do with them is, uh, is rollerblading. They're very active. Um, my seven-year-old, actually, he's probably the, the, he's the youngest and he's probably the best, uh, most versatile, like almost like gym, gymnast on the rollerblade, So it's, it's pretty fun to, to watch him do some jumps and, uh, and fun stuff like that and keep up with him.
1: Is he testing dad? Come on, dad. (laughs) this one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I try to tell him a little too old for that, (laughs) but I'll, uh, yeah, I I get in there.
1: I think it's a good thing, man. Like to just tap into that youth, you know, we've got a couple of pit bulls and those dudes are so active, man. They just like so excited and they play so much. And like, sometimes I'm like, oh man, I'm not in the mood, but then I do it. It's always awesome. I love it. So, mate, um, do you want to give us about a, you know, five, 10-minute kind of backstory on you and kind of where you came from and and your journey to where you are today?
0: It's a pretty fun story. I'm happy to do so. A little bit different out there. and um, But yeah, I mean, I grew up in Southern California, Los Angeles more specifically, and went to school in San Diego. Um, and in the middle of, of that, I really was intrigued to visit Israel. I had never done so. Being a you know religious Jewish person, I always had the desire to, but never got the chance and decided to take my junior abroad study uh, from university over there. And that really you know opened my eyes to a whole new, world, a whole new lifestyle, whole new uh, you know, types of communities there and everything, and really changed changed my life for the better in many ways, so much so that I decided to stay. I said, hey, you know, college is great. I'll go back and finish. Uh, did that, went back for a year and basically got on the next plane back to to Israel, which is uh, you know where I spent the next many years of my life, met my wife a bunch of kids. And, you know, it's, it's been an incredible journey. Uh, I was teaching for many, many years, probably about 15 years. And then at a certain point I decided, uh, Hey, teacher salary and all that good stuff really is not cutting it, not paying the bills. In fact, gotten into a lot of debt. Um, you know, just trying to keep, keep our head afloat, you know, student debt and all kinds of stuff. Just, it was not, it was not ideal to say the least this is health, over in Israel. This is all in Israel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In, in, incredible thing. Um, and uh, long story short, uh, a kind of health crisis in our immediate family woke me up a little bit. It was like, hey, I gotta do something a little more proactive to, to get serious about finances, about our you know our family, about wealth, et cetera, which was something that never really interested me in the past. But again, when you when you go through trying circumstances, it's a wake-up call, it really is. And I believe that it was a wake-up call from above. And, and I took it seriously and went and asked all my friends, hey, what should I do? <laughs> I'm open to, to doing some more stuff, take on a second job, third job, whatever it takes. Um, and a lot of people pointed me in the direction of real estate. I'm like, hey, this real estate's amazing. There's so many opportunities. And I was like, okay, that's, let's go with it. And I literally did. The next day, I was ran into a friend and said, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, hey, I'm a commercial mortgage broker. Uh, just quit my firm. And uh, going to work for my uncle for a small boutique, you know, mortgage financing and equity company. And he's like, I'll teach you everything you want to know. Uh, and literally, that's what I did. I sat with him for about eight months or so in his office, uh, not every day, but about probably three, four times a week, and learned everything there was to know about commercial real estate, you know, from underwriting to originating to and he's also a property manager and owned a bunch of his own properties as well. And Dude, so I just that's huge. It was, that's it was incredible. So much
1: Wisdom, man. Wow. It was,
0: it was awesome. It was, it was like, it was a huge gift. I mean, he was a good friend of mine and obviously was doing it, you know, out of the goodness of his heart. And, and we did some deals together and we actually, um, you know, ended up doing a few fix and flips together as well. Um, he went on to to do amazing things, continually uh, continue, continues to amaze me this day. Uh, all that he does, incredible person and, and still a close friend and mentor of mine. Um, and that kind of led me to so many opportunities. So in a nutshell, I came from this background of of just like being a teacher, being someone who loves to educate, loves family, uh, loves giving. I started a nonprofit years ago to help underprivileged families and things like that when I was going through things, struggles myself. And, uh, and now I can, you know, through real estate, I've been able to, you know, really hone that passion and do it in kind of different ways than I had originally imagined, but at the same time, still living, living the dream, living the life that I, you know, I feel is most most uh, fulfilling.
1: That's amazing, man. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, you were a teacher, and so you wanted to teach people. And when when we do something like that, where teachers are usually the best students, it's just yes. like salespeople are the easiest people to sell to. And <laughs> so that's that's really cool. That was definitely helpful on your part. Was this in Israel when you were getting mentored?
0: Yes, it was all there, which is the amazing thing because this was being done remotely in the U.S. I did some. Uh, Real estate, I got my broker's license in Israel and did some real estate there, worked for a small, small company, Uh, ended up becoming a partner with that guy also at a certain point, we did some development deals and stuff. But in the end of the day, what I was most intrigued about was, you know, the the ability to work in the US, you know, remotely uh, from a distance. And And so that's, you know, what I've been doing for the past five years or so.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. So, you're talking about learning about commercial real estate, underwriting, property management on American real estate. Correct. From Israel. That's really powerful. I want to talk about that for a second because when I started out in the mobile home park space, I was living in California and then I had my first mobile home park in California. But then my second mobile home park was a 200 space park and it was over in Wisconsin. And so many Mm. people were like, you shouldn't be like doing a deal so far away and everything. And I just like, I just thought with technology that there wouldn't really be as many barriers. And I actually, sure, there were some challenges, but I never, ever, ever once ever had to go to the property to actually solve any of these problems. Um, But I actually did that within America. Like, what was it like for you um, doing that from Israel? I mean, can you give a testament to how like nothing really is as big of a challenge as what it really seems?
0: It's true. I mean, it's all about perspective. I think the hardest part for me getting used to is really the time zone difference, right? It's a seven hour time zone to the, to the East Coast. So West Coast, 10 hour. Uh, and so it just gets getting used to. I work on, on American Times, which means I basically start my work day, you know, like 9 a.m. Eastern, which is 4 p.m. over here. Uh, which means I get to spend you know more time with the kids in the morning and and in the early early afternoon, um, but then I'm I'm basically you know at least three four days a week full full time until midnight 1 a.m. Uh, sometimes later. So it that's the biggest challenge. But like you said, obstacles are are obstacles. They they're not you know impossible to overcome. They just present challenges that we have to figure out how to work around. And when your goals are are clear then it doesn't really matter what obstacles get in the way of that. You figure out the way.
1: What would your life look like after like one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning over there in Israel? Would you just go straight to bed? Would you then like go into like spiritual practices or like, you know, what what would it look like for you?
0: I mean, I do. I do. uh, It really depends on the day. Uh, Like I said, I'm only, you know, I take off the Sabbath. So like from Friday, midday until Uh, you know, until Saturday night, I'm totally offline, totally, you know, connected in the spiritual realm. And, uh, and Sunday also is kind of like not really a work day. So it's easier that way. But yeah, when, when you're staying up late, like I do, (laughs) I mean, to be honest, I do some meetups and I do some other stuff like late at night on, uh, on Eastern time. So even one o'clock comes around, I don't necessarily go straight to sleep. I do have a daily uh, learning or study schedule. Some of it's done in the morning and some of it's done at night, right before, you know, after I finish work, basically. Um, so that's something that's really powerful as well. And that study is, is, you know, really a spiritual connection more than anything else.
1: And that's a very energetically powerful time of the day, especially around kind of like three o'clock in the morning. That's, <clears throat> that's beautiful. And you're doing all of this still from Israel.
0: That's correct. Yeah. The holy city of Jerusalem.
1: How did all the COVID stuff kind of like play out with, you you know, because everyone started jumping on Zoom. It was way more acceptable that everyone's doing stuff off their computer. It probably would have made things easier for you. Yeah.
0: Absolutely did. I mean, I was doing this for years beforehand. So it was like, I worked remotely before it was cool. You know, that's, that's kind of what was my perspective. But one of the biggest things that I think changed or made a difference in me is that when there were a lot of these uh, virtual meetups, you know, these Zoom meetups that started happening. I literally got involved right at the beginning. Um, You know, in April of 2020, I saw what was happening. I would travel to the States probably once every other month or so. So about five, six times a year for conferences or events and things like that. So I'm used to travel and I literally got back. uh, I was at an event in Dallas, I remember, in March uh, March 15th, right? March 14th of 2020 and uh, got back to Israel. And literally that day they made like uh, quarantines like that night. They were like, anyone who arrived after this time has to go in quarantine. And that's when it really started. But for me, that was a challenge, not being able to go to events for a little while. Uh, but I saw the opportunity of the virtual space and the Zoom space and especially with these Zoom breakout rooms and stuff. So I started a virtual meetup every day uh excuse me every week sorry once a week and we started bringing in speakers and then we'd have the you know networking and it was incredible I, i'd be getting consistently um you know 50 to 100 people every single week on a call from all over the country and some people all over the world including myself um and a lot of people told me after the fact that that was for them was like therapy it was like their ability to connect with people that they had lost, you know, not being able to go out of the house, being in lockdown, but here you have this, this kind of, um, you know, outlet to, to connect with people in that space. So I'm very grateful to have done that. And I'm still going to this day. Um, you know, we still meet every single week.
1: It's so amazing. You know, like before all the COVID stuff happened, I used to, uh, you know, go speaking engagements and I'd fly out to a speaking engagement and then I'd have to like, you know, wait another week or two and I'd go to another one in a different city, way expensive, takes a lot of time. And then now, I mean, we can speak in like 10 different cities in, in one day if we really want to. It's uh, it's really cool. And this is proving the part of the location freedom in the Freedom Trinity, because right. really with with if you have a phone and a computer, Uh, And I'm sure there's some businesses that are excluded from this, but most businesses, if you have a phone and computer, you can work from just about anywhere. And I think that's really, really freaking powerful. Um, Not only because maybe our lifestyle requires that we live in a different area, um, but maybe we can be in the place that we really, really want to be. And then we can do the thing that we really, really want to do and maybe those things aren't location specific you know and so i think that's really powerful and i you know hats off to you for doing that and you've got a really awesome presence on social media um you really like building uh, an empire really and yeah. you build a lot of buzz and so it doesn't seem like there's any barriers stopping you from from doing anything actually i see you doing more
0: than a lot of people here in america i i i would agree with that statement i, I think i am in terms of that uh, i And it really is a testament of just that, you know, consistency. I would just add one point is that I, you know, I work for a a big company, right? Which means that there is a whole team in the US, you know, that is doing a lot of the groundwork and a lot of the back office and a lot of the stuff that, you know, I wouldn't be able to, nor am I, you know, want to do. So having a team that supports you is really, you know, gives me the freedom to be able to do a lot of the things that, you know, I could do location uh freedom wise
1: yeah that's amazing i'm going to go back make a comment on one thing and then we're going to dig into the juice here because i really want to tell people we're going to talk about how people can really save some big big bucks and some news on how things are changing in that arena as well but before we go there You said that you reached a point of disruption before you um, made the choice to, to step into this world. And there was probably a period of unknown. There was probably a whole bunch of different emotions that came up. And the reason I'm talking about this right now is because so many of us, when things like that happen, when these challenges pop up, we think it's a bad thing, but It actually is disrupting us in a way that it takes us away from our normal comfortability, all of our creature comforts, all of the things that we know. And it puts us in a place of the complete unknown where we have to like re explore and open up new possibilities. And if we are in a state of maybe frustration or anger, you know, you might think, Oh, there's not a good place to be, or maybe it's a different emotion, but emotions like that, we make decisions. And it puts us in a a position of like, Oh my God, I have to do something big and different here Um, at the time. Like, did you see that this was like a good thing or were you just kind of like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do next.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's true that when you're involved in the moment, it's very painful when you're going through struggles and we all go through them and we think there's really no way out of this. And, you know, fortunately, I, you know, I had some mentors, I had some people in my life that I could look up to and get some guidance from and know that, yeah, I mean, everything really ultimately happens for the good. And I truly believe that It did at all times. Doesn't mean that, you know, the pain is not pain and doesn't mean that, you know, the struggle is not real struggle um, and the emotions are real, but if you realize, and it's difficult in the moment, it's much easier to see a retrospect, but in the moment, if you can realize that just like a seed when it goes into the ground, it needs to first disintegrate and become almost nothing, like completely. Uh, you know, there's actually a Greek word for it. It's called hiuli, It's, it's something that's just. It's almost. It's become nothing, uh, and that is the state where you can create anything and you can sprout into, you know, a huge tree and and bear fruit. But it all comes from that moment, like you said, where you're completely broken down, and and that's where like amazing things can happen again you need the water you need the sunshine you need those external elements in your life to provide you with that support but you can uh you have to realize that the struggles are really the direction like i think there's a a great you know the obstacle is the way a great book out there but sometimes those struggles are really where we can grow the most
1: and i think that's really important to talk about right now because there's disruption in the world I can only see that amplifying over the next few years. So there's a lot of people right now that are probably very displaced and it's okay to be displaced. It It can make you take action. It can make you go outside and do something you never even considered doing before and open up whole new opportunities. And when I've been in situations like that, it doesn't make sense at the time. You're like, I don't get why this is happening to me. And I never really understand the full lesson until I've come full cycle on it and got to the other side. And uh, one more thing I want to say on this is that we live in a world of balance 50% positive 50% negative. I didn't say 50% good 50% bad. I mean, positive and negative from the most micro micro, to the most macro in the universe, there's positive and negative polarities playing against each other. So as you experience in your life, intensified disruption, or challenges, or as we're experiencing that with all the stuff that's going on in the world, just know in the bottom of your heart and soul that there's an equal and opposite opportunity on the other side of that simultaneously playing there. So when I have challenges and the, you know, one of the, I suppose, exciting things about being an entrepreneur is my challenges get uh, more exciting and more exciting, but they get definitely bigger and bigger. And Mm. I've had some pretty big challenges lately and the bigger they get, I'm like, oh my God, the, the reward on the other side of this It it's going to be astronomical because this is a freaking monster challenge, and so you know it's it's really good for us to look at it like that. Disruption is meant to happen for a reason. All of the things that are happening in the world right now are happening for a reason, and we're just about to talk about a way that you can tap into maximizing some profits and investments, and also saving some money through tax. And I wanna I wanna show you my T-shirt right now. I'm actually wearing a T-shirt that says the IRS. And you guys are probably thinking, why the heck are you supporting the IRS? Well, the reason I'm wearing it is kind of comical because since I have someone like Yona Weiss on my team, I mean, they basically sponsor me, the IRS, because I hardly pay any taxes. And each year I'm earning more and more money but I'm paying less and less taxes. And it's because of these kinds of tactics and and ways that we can do this that people like Donald Trump have the same tax bill as his secretary because the system was actually designed for people to invest money and it's designed for people creating money. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of tax benefits in there. And all you need to do is know the rules of the game or connect with people who know the rules of the game like Yona. And you can save big bucks. So I want to talk about what it is that you do, brother, and how you're helping people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you hit the nail on the head there. I think it's what Rich Dad, uh poor dad talked about, right? Is knowing finances and knowing tax tax law. It may be boring, it may be scary to a lot of people. Like you hear taxes and people are like, like you said, they look at your shirt, like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> but if you hear taxes and they're like, This is too scary. And we're not gonna get into all the, you know you know, details of everything out there. But what I do is something called cost segregation. And it's this incredible tax strategy, just like you said, that helps people who invest to get big tax deductions in order so that they'll, you know, reduce their tax liability and essentially pay little to no income tax, uh, even though they're making more and more money. So I think it's an incredible, incredible thing. Even though the name may throw you off, don't get scared and don't get turned off by the name. It's just a form of depreciation. So let's talk about depreciation because that also is a negative. You're talking about positives, negatives. It's The funny thing is it's a borrowed term. And we think about depreciation. It's like, well, I don't want my property to go down in value. I actually want it to appreciate. I want it to go up in value. And, and it's true. It's actually doing that. However, the IRS gave this name to this deduction called depreciation, based on the principle that things go down. And what that means is, when you buy uh, things go down in value. Excuse me, when you buy a, uh, a property, besides your personal residence, any type of business or investment property, you're immediately able to take this deduction called depreciation, and it allows you to write off the entire value of your property, except for land. Land doesn't doesn't uh, depreciate, but everything else does. And so what how that happens is is by taking that value and then spreading it out over a long period of time. I wish you could take it all up front, right? You can't there are certain equipment and appliances and things like that that you could take all up front. and we'll get to the bonus depreciation in a minute. But that's all it is. It's saying, hey, you invest. We're going to give you this incentive, which is going to this deduction, which is going to reduce your tax liability. And that's all depreciation is. Um, cost segregation, like I said, is an advanced form of that, allowing you to depreciate the individual components of a property and not just the whole building as one, but breaking things out into, you know, the windows, doors, carpeting, you know, furniture, light fixtures, all those different things depreciate on different schedules. And so you're able to take some of those deductions at a much faster pace, giving you, you know, bigger cash flow in the early years of investment.
1: Well, correct me if I'm wrong. We'll get into a little bit of kind of like a live scenario so people can actually understand how all of this works. Um, and so if we have a single family home in the States and we're going to go off the normal depreciation schedule, I believe it's, is it 29 and a half years?
0: So it's 27 and a half for residential properties and mm-hmm. commercial properties, it's 39 years. So very 39. random, you know, arbitrary numbers.
1: Yeah. And so- kind of a general rule of thumb is that if the property is worth say a $1 million, around about 70% of the property is going to go to the improvements and about 30 would go to the land, very general rule of thumb. So about 700,000 of that property, you would be able to um, depreciate over 27 and a half years. So that means you would divide that by about 27 and a half years. And then that's the amount of tax break you would get it's amount of real taxes you don't have to pay for about 27 and a half years. Is that, I know it's it's a little bit more complex than that, but is that around about right?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, I would just say that the land allocation is going to vary from, you know, location to location. But yeah, on average, could be maybe like 15%, sometimes up to 50 or 60% in places like California. Um, and, and as low as I've seen, you know, like less than 1% land value in certain areas, you know, and like. In, you know, middle of nowhere, Western Texas or something. Right. Um, so it really does depend, but yes, you're absolutely right. Whatever's left over from that land allocation. That's the amount you're going to spread out evenly over that 27 and a half year period.
1: So now the difference is, is if we do a cost segregation, instead of drawing those tax benefits out over 27 and a half years, we're front loading it as much as we can into year one. And, um, And I know last year um, we paid you guys for a couple of properties. We had a couple of mobile home parks. Uh, I think it was two or three mobile home parks. We paid $15,000. So I think it might've been like three mobile home parks. And that gained more than, I forget if it was one or $2 million. I think that gained more than $2 million of tax benefits for me and my investors. And all it cost was like $15,000. And it's like, one of the hugest return on investment um, investments that I even know of. And it's like phenomenal and it's completely 100% legal. And you guys specialize in this. Um, Do you wanna kind of like talk about it a little bit deeper? how that works. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, sure. And, and not only is it legal, it's actually considered by the IRS the correct way of depreciating your property mm. instead of lumping everything together on this one schedule to identify what those components are. Certain things in the property are going to depreciate on a five-year schedule if they are non-structural. So think about things like uh, furniture or fixtures or appliances, equipment. Um all of that stuff will depreciate on a five-year schedule, and then you'll have land improvements. And this is where mobile home parks come in to, uh, to a huge extent, is because what you're buying is, yes, you're buying land, but you're also buying the land improvements, what's on top of the land, including concrete pavement, you know, the roads, the concrete pads under each home, landscaping, fencing, you know, you name it, signage, all of that has values. And so by identifying from an engineering perspective, what the values of those individual components are, and then adding them up, we're able to accelerate the depreciation of those assets to those faster schedules. And as you mentioned, taking a huge lump sum in the first year, that's what's called bonus depreciation, where you have the option to take the lump sum of those accelerated deductions in the first year. And think about it like, you know, if, if, we're, if we're losing you at all, I mean, think about it like you have this pool of potential deductions. Okay. You, you bought a property for a million bucks and I get, you know, let's say seven, 800,000, whatever it is of those potential deductions you can take over 27 and a half years. Instead of waiting and taking, you know, $30,000 a year for that amount of time, you have that pool of Deductions and you can actually pull from that and take a, you know, maybe 20 or 30, or in the case of mobile home parks, 50, you know, 60% of those deductions all up front. And so this is um a cash flow mechanism, is exactly what it is. It's incentivizing people to now take that money and reinvest it. Because guess what? If you don't reinvest that money, Sure, you'll have a big tax advantage this year, but next year, uh, if you don't buy any more properties, you'll actually have less tax deductions because you've taken more upfront. And so it's really an incentive game to, you know, if you don't want to pay taxes, keep investing and keep buying more properties and keep this process going for as long as you can.
1: And the thing I like to drive home to investors is it ends up being real money that you save because otherwise, if you didn't have these tax deductions, this would have been real money you would have had to pay mm-hmm. in taxes. And so <clears throat> we when we project our investments or present our investments and the return projections to our investors, we don't really talk about the tax piece so much we're talking about all the other metrics, but really we should be promoting the tax piece more and more because, you know, if someone invests with us and let's say for example, they make a 25% annual return, well, when you add the tax benefits on that in year one, they'll probably make like 80% if you don't want a cost segregation or maybe even more. Um, but even if you weren't doing a cost segregation and get normal tax benefits, um, I mean, they'd be, you know, still getting an extra 10% a year or something like that. And so it really does crank up on the amount of returns that we actually make as investors. And this is a big thing. Um, and I want to also tell you guys, it's pretty easy. They get five grand, hand it over (laughs) to Yona and his team, and then get like 700,000 or a million in uh, tax benefits. But what they do is not simple. It's it's pretty complex what they do. There's a lot of work in it. This is not something you want to go out and try and do yourself. Um, It's I mean, it's not it's not just a little cakewalk, is it? It's pretty complex system you guys use.
0: Yeah, it is a pretty complex system. I mean, everything dealing with the tax code is complex, which is why you need specialists. You need tax advisors. You need people on your team that do understand it. And that's how you're going to save the most money. So yeah, there is a whole, what's called the cost audit techniques guide as part of the tax code. And it's extremely Tedious and detailed process. I mean, creating this report. I'm sure you know when you when you got your your tax deductions. When you get the conservation study, this you know detailed report. I'm sure you didn't actually read through it, right? Because it's it's extremely uh, complex. There's all kinds of calculations. There's all kinds of references to the tax code and, and numbering systems and a whole nomenclature. It's, and it is something that you do need a specialist to do. But like so many other things in business. Finding those specialists and finding kind of these niches where you can, you know, have these tax deductions, uh, it's going to save you, you know, 10, I mean, 10 x a hundred X, a thousand X sometimes on, uh, on what you're spending on the business.
1: So what can we apply this to? What kind of things can we do a cost segregation on? Like holistically, like a single mm-hmm. family home.
0: Yeah. Anything,
1: but, but not including your, um, primary residence.
0: Correct. Yeah. The only thing you cannot do is your primary residence, um, but any type of investment property or business property. So think about, I mean, from single family, multifamily, storage, retail, office, industrial, like any type of property whatsoever, mobile home parks, a golf course. Uh, One thing that's interesting is I mentioned business property. Oftentimes you'll have someone who owns a business and the business owns a property and they may not think of themselves as real estate investors per se you may have a doctor who owns the office building you know and they rent it out you know to themselves and maybe to another clinic or whatever you may have a manufacturer uh that owns a flex space or something that their office is in and maybe they have a warehouse and distribution whatever it is they never consider themselves real estate investors per se but they can do conservation as well and i think these are these are things that are often overlooked uh from a business perspective because many accountants don't even know about this and it, it i mean it Never ceases to amaze me. I'm no longer shocked by it, but it never ceases to amaze me how many accountants actually have no idea what consturation is, even though it's part of the part of the tax code.
1: And it's not really spoken about that much. Like people are talking about it more and more. It's becoming more of a buzzword in the commercial investment space and the syndication space. Um, but it's it's really super super powerful, and uh, um, so. People can do that when we close on a property, year one, boom, straight out of the gate, we're going to get a cost segregation. It's one of the first things we do when we close on a property, we get the cost seg lined up, we do it out of the gate. Some people listening to this right now might say, hey, I've owned this property for like three years, four years, 10 years. Can we do a cost segregation at that point?
0: Yeah. You can really do it at any time. Uh, the best time, like you said, a lot of people like to get it done right away in the first year of ownership, but the great thing about it is you don't have to, you can wait until it's more beneficial, or like you said, someone just, maybe they didn't know about it or they never did it. You can go back and actually, without even amending your tax returns, you can catch up uh, whatever depreciation you missed that you could have taken. So that's that's one of the most powerful things is when you can, you can you can choose to use when you want to take those deductions, Uh, To a certain extent.
1: And uh, I have so much depreciation that gets passed on to me that it's more than the actual taxes that I owe because I've got so many, I'm involved in so many investments. So the cool thing about it is if you don't use it in that year, you can actually roll it over. And it can, you can basically like I'm in a position where for the foreseeable future, I can't see myself paying taxes. And uh, I mean, there's a slight little bit of taxes I play. Is there any, any type of income that people can make where this doesn't apply to um, writing off to those for that type of income?
0: Yeah, it's actually a really, really good question. And it applies to a lot of people. So, I mean, you obviously benefit from it the most, not paying taxes. And that's because you are classified as a real estate professional, meaning your full-time job is in the real estate game. And the IRS has this rule regarding passive activities. Okay, So your income, if you have a W-2 or 1099, whatever it is, is taxed in one bucket, let's call that, you know, it's called Schedule C on your tax return. And any rental properties or any investments that you have in real estate are considered passive income, even though it may not be passive, but the IRS defines it as such. And that's gonna be on your Schedule E. So these are taxed totally differently. Generally speaking, you cannot use the deductions, including depreciation, which goes against your Schedule E, your rental income. You cannot use that against the other bucket, you know to offset the income from your w2 uh, unless you have what's called this real estate professional status if you or your spouse are full-time either brokers or managers and you own rentals and you're involved in the real estate trader business materially participating so that's the word they use you actually have to be involved in it you can then use those deductions against your other active income or any other source of income as well. So that's the major exception. And so I'm glad you brought that up because this is the main distinction. Often people think, well, this is great. This is for everyone. This is going to help me pay no taxes. And I can, you know, still make a high, you know, huge, you know, W-2 salary. And unfortunately that's just not the case. Unless again, your spouse is a, is a real estate professional or you, you know, you go full time. The, the great benefit of this is especially to investors is that If you are investing and getting a return on your investment, well, those returns are going to be essentially tax-free during the life ownership. So there are virtually no other types of investment vehicles where you can be actually making money from that and and not even be taxed on it.
1: Yeah, and I wanted to say because we haven't said it yet. I'm not a CPA financial advisor, you know, legal advisor, this is just for educational purposes only, definitely refer to your CPA to find out, you know, the information of what actually applies to you. Um, One thing that I I experienced is that when I was in the beginning, doing all of this in the beginning, I still had a full time job, yet, I was still working more than 2000 hours a year, on um, on real estate. So there is ways that you may potentially be able to achieve that real estate professional status, while you still have a full time or part time job, if you're really moving and shaking and spending the time on it that you need. And yeah. there's a little bit of evidence that you have to prove on that too to be able to back it up and everything. So go check out the CPA. If you're a heavy hitter after hours in the investment world, then you might even be able to qualify for that already. And you don't want to leave that on the table. But again, we're not CPAs or or financial advisors, at least I'm not. And uh, so, you know, make sure to check with your professionals to check out your circumstances. So, bonus depreciation. First off, I want you to explain what bonus depreciation is so that we could all understand what it is. And then, can we talk about what the changes are happening in this space? Because this, I think, is probably the most important topic for investors to be discussing until the end of this year. And I think we're going to see a lot of movement around um, trying to uh, get as much benefits as we can before this year yeah. runs out. And Yona's is going to explain why.
0: 100%. Yeah. So bonus depreciation, simply put, is once you have done a cost segregation study, which allocates certain components of your property to faster what we call accelerated depreciation schedules, five-year, seven-year, 15-year, instead of the original 27.5 or 39-year, once you've done that, you have the option of taking all of that upfront in the first year. That's called 100% bonus depreciation. So you need to do the cost in order to claim the bonus depreciation. And you can take, like I said, 100% of that in the first year. And if you get you know, this huge lump sum um, and it's more deductions, the actual income, like Bryce said, you can carry that over. It will stick with you in like this you know, imaginary bank account on your tax return of these deductions that you can take uh, next year. So that's in a nutshell what bonus depreciation is, 100% bonus depreciation. It came about during the, the latest tax reform a few years ago, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2018. And so that's when it really came to pass. But it had a deadline, a timeline in it, that it was going to start to phase out, and that is coming up at the end of this year. So, 2022 is the last year to be able to claim that 100% bonus depreciation, uh, taking a huge amount of deductions up front. Going on forward, it's going to start phasing out by 20% each year. So, one, you know, next year, 2023, if you buy a property um, or you, you know, you decide you want to do cost segregation, uh, bonus depreciation it's gonna be 80% bonus. So you'll still be able to take a big lump sum in the first year, but not the entire amount of those accelerated deductions. The remaining 20% can still be used with the concentration method of the respective five or 15 years. Uh, So that's what what it is. That's how people are using this. And just to illustrate how that actually works, let's take your example of the million dollar property that you bought. And if you did just straight line, what's called straight line depreciation, taking an even amount over 27 years, you're gonna get about $30,000 a year. Okay, that's going to be your depreciation deduction. Well, if your income from the property is you know anything more than thirty thousand, which hopefully, if on a million dollar property, it is, um, then you're going to be paying taxes on whatever the remaining amount is. Comes cost segregation and says, well, what what if we can take? And I'll give an example from you know multifamily. Typically, about 20, 25 percent of the depreciation can be front loaded. Whereas mobile home parks, we're talking more like 50 to 60, 70%, sometimes 80% in certain situations where you can front load that. Uh, But let's just keep it simple. Let's do the, you know, we'll give both examples. In the example of a multifamily, you're going to take 20% of that, let's say $200,000, that million dollar property. And instead of taking, you know, 30,000 a year, now in the first year, you get a lump sum of $200,000. So that's a pretty big deal. And in the case of mobile home parks, Let's just keep it simple, say 50% instead of a $30,000 deduction. The first year you're going to get $500,000 deduction, which is crazy, especially if you're only putting down, let's say 20-25% down payment on the property and you're getting, you know, double that back as a tax deduction, it's just uh it, it's huge, it's a game changer.
1: And here's the thing, you guys might be thinking, well, what, you know, I take all my taxes year one, but what's going to happen after that. But think about it, are you going to buy another property next year? Are you going to buy five properties, 10 properties next year, um, you're likely going to continue keep growing and you know, more year every year, you'll probably have a higher capacity to get involved in more investments. So each year, you're going to be bringing in more and more of these tax benefits. So it just kind of compounds and just ends up taking care of itself. But as Yono is saying, we can take 100% right now if we get involved in an investment this year. And uh, as of next year, it's going to go down to 80%. 2024 will be 60%. And then it keeps going down. Um, What happens? Like, does it get down to zero? Um, What happens beyond that?
0: Yeah, and it's in you know by 2027 it's gonna go down to zero, meaning there's no longer gonna be bonus depreciation. You'll still be able to take cost segregation, which was still good, by the way, for many years before 2018. how people were doing this for decades. And so it's still a good thing. It's just not gonna be like supercharging your deductions, which I think actually contributed a significant amount. To the real estate, uh, you know, boom that's been going on over, over the past few years. Uh, that I have no doubt of that. So it will still be going. What can you do? I know mean, you asked that earlier. Well, like, what can people do, right? Well, the first thing you do is is you know, take action now buy a property before the end of the year and get the hundred percent bonus um, or invest in something. Another thing you can do, as I've heard from several accountants uh, that I know, is contact your local representatives and and tell them they should lobby to keep bonus depreciation 100% for as long as we can and keep it in the books. And and that's quite a possibility. I don't see um, that being far from the truth. I could actually see that happening, it being continued.
1: And again, we're not giving any financial advice. Only your financial advisors can advise you on your specific needs, circumstances, and and goals. However, I know that I'm already seeing um, an increased demand for investors to join investments that have 100% bonus depreciation. Mm -hmm. That's the type of investments that we bring to the table. So I think this is going to be a really, really hot topic in the investment world. And, and everybody's going to be promoting it and wanting to be involved in it to get that 100% while we can before year's end. So I, you know, definitely something that, uh, you know, there's a time limit on it. And, yep. you know, if you want to get involved in that space, if you want to go out there and do this, then it's, it's time to reach out to your CPA. It's time to reach out to Yona Weiss and um, and see how you can actually get all this stuff going on. So um, I don't know if you're privy to this, but usually when we lose something over here, then we gain something over here. Are you guys seeing anything on the forefront of the new tax codes or any of the changes that have been made that could maybe overcompensate or kind of pick up for what we're missing out on with this reducing uh, bonus depreciation?
0: Not yet, but that's a really good question. I mean, similarly to, to what we did see in uh, when they didn't introduce bonus, 100% bonus depreciation, they took away, and and you know, it was very similar to what you're talking about, they took away the passive loss carrybacks. So we're very familiar, as you mentioned, the passive losses that you have, meaning if you have more deductions than income, then those losses will just get carried forward uh, to the next year you use them. There used to be something called a passive loss carry back. Meaning if you had extra losses this year and you paid taxes in the previous year, or previous five years or whatever it was, the limitations there, you could actually use those, amend your previous year's taxes and apply that and actually get a refund. So that was something that you know business owners used for a long time. When they introduced the 100% bonus, they said, well, we can't do that because now we're going to give them these huge deductions and now they're just going to apply it backwards. We don't want to go so far. So that was one thing they did take away. I'm not seeing, I'm, I, I, I do see that they did that um, when the CARES Act happened during COVID and they were trying to stimulate the economy that they reintroduced temporarily for 2020, that Mm -hmm. passive loss carryback. I could see that. I haven't heard anything about it yet, but I could see that coming back once bonus appreciation goes away. So there will be, um, you know, on the lookout for that.
1: Beautiful. And I had a little birdie that told me, I don't know how much, um, if how far we're through this, or if there's anything to it, but there could be some um, pretty attractive tax benefits coming up from like the energy sector, um, really, mainly specifically solar, uh, that could be getting back into those excellent tax benefits that solar used to have that kind of fell off. I don't know how much validity mm-hmm. there is to that, but I'm definitely going to keep my eye out on the horizon for what's coming because you know there's there's always things changing and there's always new things that we can tap into. And a message that I want to send to all of you listening and watching right now is: some of you might be going, "This sounds really cool." But I'm not in that position. I got a job. Right. I actually do my own taxes. I don't have a CPA. Well, I would actually I would actually say that for you to heavily consider. Finding a CPA, paying a couple of hundred bucks, and just talking to them of how different would your life be from a financial perspective if you had a little side business? even just a, even a lemonade stand, just for by sake of it actually being a business, you can actually have a lot of tax write offs. And also, as soon as you start buying property, especially investment property, it really opens us up to a whole new world of things that can uh, wipe off other, other taxes that we could be paying in other places. So, So many people think, well, I want to save the money and do the taxes myself. If you you haven't done it before and reached out to a CPA, it's probably worth your while to go out there and just explore that. Spend a couple of hundred bucks and then they can show you by making a few simple moves that you're probably already in the capacity to do right now, or maybe you can put a plan together to do it in the near future and then you can tap into these benefits And, uh, you know, we've recently changed CPAs. And in the beginning, uh, the first year we started working with them, I'm like, dude, you're charging like double quadruple what everybody else is charging. Um, I'm like, you know, what, what's the deal, man? And he's like, well, just, you know, let us do it year one, and you'll see why. And, uh, you know, I've made more than double or quadruple the tax benefits, which is just like, it's a no brainer. So, um there really really is a lot to tap into here these guys right here the IRS you know they they're collecting a lot of money and um it's just it's like a leaky hole in your boat we want to plug those holes in our boat and keep as much as we can it's real money that we keep in house so many of us so far in life have just accepted um that we pay a certain amount of taxes i mean when i was working in australia and in canada i paid like 45% taxes man i was losing like half of what I was earning. And I, you know, I I thought I earned pretty good money. It's like now that concept, now that I know what I know, it's, it's just absurd. Like, why would anybody do that? And it's because people don't know that these things are out there. So how do people keep the conversation going with you, Yona, so they can talk about cost segregations and take a bit of a deep dive here?
0: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right on that. I mean, just educate yourself and find some put some more people in your corner. Who can help you and help uh, accelerate your growth. Um, people want to continue the conversation with me. I mean, I'm pretty accessible. I'm pre- you just Google my name. You'll find me, but <laughs> I'm extremely active on LinkedIn. That's actually my most popular uh, go-to social platform and uh, probably check that more often than email actually. So if you want to message me there, connect with me, happy to do so, or you can go to yonawise.com and uh, yeah, happy to help conversation and answer any questions.
1: Beautiful. And I know firsthand that Yona provides pretty awesome value on, on LinkedIn too. You're like a very loving, giving, sharing person. And um, I see you help a lot of other entrepreneurs. I see you help connect a lot of people, provide value to the table, education. So, um, you know, it's, it's really good to follow along with what Yona is up to on LinkedIn, you know, running different challenges. Um, you're really up to a whole bunch of really cool things, man. So thank you, brother. Thank you for all of you do. Uh, thank you for being an inspiration to all of us and proving that we can do things outside of the box. Thanks for sharing all of your wisdom. And uh, it's been an absolute honor to have you here on Freedom Hack Radio.
0: It's been my pleasure, Bryce. Thank you again so much.
1: And for all of our Freedom Hackers, until next week, live large, live free. G'day, this is Bryce Robertson. I'm your host here at Freedom Hack Radio. And I truly, truly hope that you got a ton of value out of the episode that we just shared with you. And if you did, make sure to subscribe on your YouTube channel, make sure to subscribe to your favorite podcasting platform, hit the notification button so you can find out about the next episodes as they come out. Because if you haven't achieved financial time and location freedom, you really need to be dialed in here. So make sure to subscribe and follow us Along as you grow on your path to financial time and location freedom here at freedom hack radio